0: I'm going to talk about biblical reasons for droughts and uh, talk about a couple of major droughts that we see in the Bible. Um, I want to talk about uh, the benefits of a drought. By the way, I can see this now, so thank you so much. I don't have to keep on looking backwards. Did you know that there are a lot of benefits to a drought? It may not seem like it at the time. If you are dying of hunger and thirst, and you can't find shade, and um, and it's just scorching hot outside. Um, but there are actually benefits to a drought, and we're going to talk about those. Um, we're then going to talk about some types of droughts because the droughts that the Lord wants to put his finger on are more than just, you know, weather droughts or financial droughts. Um, and then when we have these seasons of droughts in our life, what, is, what should our response be? Um, and we're going to talk about that, and that's where I think the Lord really wants to put his finger on specific areas in each of us. Uh, they'll be different for every one of us, but... Um, I think there'll be some ministry time where the Lord will um, just help to help move us forward out of that season of drought. Um, so thank you, Lord. So this message uh, is, so I'm the treasurer of the church, and so I was sharing about the financial status of the church. And uh, so in case you weren't there, here's the financial status of the church. Um, In 2016, by the way, I try to simplify this as much as possible. I talk about the beginning balance at the beginning of the year, how much money comes in, how much money goes out, and then what the ending balance is, right? It looks like a checkbook, right? Ins and outs, beginning, ending balance. And what I like to talk about um, during that financial meeting is to say, okay, well, here's here's what it was last year. Here's how um, that went. this past year, in 2017. So the ending balance becomes the beginning balance of this year, um, or of last year in this case. And, uh, and so then we brought in so much uh, more income and we spent so much money and then we have an um, end of balance. And so as I was sharing this, the other thing that I do is I like to blow out each one of those rows. So I say, okay, so here's, here's how those ends look. So when you take that big number, here's how it breaks down into you know, specific categories that are of interest and categories that we manage for good stewardship purposes at the church. And, uh, and the other thing that I like to do is like the, you know, because it's, it's information, um, you know, how are we doing in terms of trending? You know, how is that money coming in? Uh, and and it's, what's interesting is we've had some really big years of what I'll call plenty. Um, and, and then, but you can see there has been a decline, a sharp decline in the amount of income that we've been receiving as, as a church. And so I looked at this, um, and we keep an eye on this weekly, but I was looking at this in terms of the financial report, and I was saying, that's interesting. God, what would you have to say about that? Because I know what I would say about that. Um, <laughs> you know, might be a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of panic, a little bit of fear, or what does that mean, and what's going on? So you know, when I went to the Lord and asked him, what would you say about that, he just said, "It's okay, you're in a drought, and it's a good thing that you happen to be in a drought." And I was like, that's weird, I don't understand that." So I started researching it a little bit um, and so the bottom line of the message that I was sharing in the context of the annual report was, hey, we've got to acknowledge reality. And the bad news is we have been in a financial drought. And I hope by the, by the end of this message you'll see that it really wasn't bad news. It was actually really good news that we acknowledge that we are in a drought. The good news is spiritually. I mean, you look around and you look at the people and you look at the relationships and you look at the life that's flowing. We have not been in a spiritual drought. It's been, uh, so it's like, wait a second. So what, what's going on here, right? And, um, and so that was, that's just the context of what I was sharing and what I feel like the Lord said, hey, you need to share on this again because I want to speak to the droughts in people's lives on uh, July, what is it, 15th, is it 15th, 2018. So there are three. This isn't an exhaustive um, teaching. Uh, These are the things that came to mind, and from just a little bit of uh, searching within within the Bible, there are what I could see. I'm sure there's probably others, but there were three major reasons why there's drought um, in the Bible. The first is, of course, drought does come. If you look in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Chapter 27, or at the beginning of 28, it talks about the blessings of obedience and it talks about the curses of disobedience. And so there really is a judgment that comes upon, um, in this case, the nation of Israel uh, when they are disobedient. And he said, This is going to happen to you if you don't obey me. You know, I'm going to bring about scorching heat and drought <laughs> amongst a whole bunch of other things if you're disobedient. And, um, and so that happens, right? And the same thing happened when, in the time of Ahab, the time of Jezebel, total idolatry, total um, sexual perversion, total, did um, uh, I say idolatry, and uh, abuse of power by Ahab and Jezebel. And so as a result of their leadership, Elijah declared a, a drought um, that was going to be over the land. Now here's the beautiful thing, you know, you say, well, that sounds terrible, you know, that judgment. And, God, even in God's judgment, even in his discipline is love, because he does that for a reason. He does that to get our attention, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Um, the second reason that I could see why droughts occur in our lives is for character testing and for growth. Now, this is not something we want to really admit or want to even you know, participate in, but a lot of times God will send a drought into our lives so that we can... Um, have some character testing, or and or he may allow the enemy to produce that drought. I don't want to get into a theological discussion. Either way, it feels like there's a drought in our lives, and it's there to produce character and testing and growth. And we see this. Uh, I'm not going to read all these verses, but you know, has the Lord ever? Could you imagine the Lord sharing this? You know, talking to Satan and saying, "Hey, hey, have you considered my servant Kim? <laughs> have you considered my?" servant Anna. Have you considered my servant Susan? I mean, could you imagine that there's this dialogue in heaven about you? And then Satan's saying, yeah, 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 I know, but you, you protect them. So of course they're going to praise you, but take that away and let's see what happens. Ooh. And then God says, yeah, let's see what happens. Anyway, so that's what the book of Job is all about. Um, and so character testing and growth are, is, is another reason. And then the third reason for uh, a drought that I saw within the, uh, scripture was to signal change and to catalyze transition, to signal necessary change and to catalyze a, trans- a necessary transition that needs to take place. And we see this, that my, one of my favorite stories is the story of Joseph and how We all know the story. Joseph was sold into slavery down in Egypt, and, um, I mean, he's he's desperate. He went to Potiphar's house, falsely accused, goes to prison, tries to, like, manipulate his way out of that. It doesn't work. He's in prison. No hope. Um, He's done for. And yet, all of a sudden, this is even pre-drought. God says, "I'm I'm going to send a drought, and he reveals that intention to Pharaoh. And we know the story about Pharaoh talking about seven cows that were fat and were eaten by the seven cows that were skinny, the same thing with the heads of grain. And, um, and so that happened with, the, that happened with Pharaoh. Pharaoh's trying to get an interpretation of the stream. No one can interpret. The cupbearer who was in prison with Joseph says, hey, I know a guy. And, uh, and so they send for Joseph. So this is so cool. So because there's a drought coming, there is a transition that's being catalyzed. And, um, and so, you know, this is just Reader's Digest version, uh, points of the scripture here, but Pharaoh basically, after Joseph interprets the dream and says there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, he then says, Pharaoh goes, I'm going to put you in charge, right? Because you're pretty smart. You can interpret the dream. Plus you have some wisdom about how to deal with this particular circumstance. And it's, I mean, it is unbelievable that in the span of let's call it, not even 24 hours, eight hours. I don't know how long it took him to get cleaned up and shaved and all that stuff. He went from prison, no hope, to second in command over Egypt. It is the most unbelievable story. I mean, it's like, it's crazy that that happened. And yet it was catalyzed and and there was a signal of that kind of, that was gonna happen by the fact that a drought was coming. And so what we were concluding um, as a part of the financial drought that we were having as a church, was that God was signaling some change. God was catalyzing some transition, and uh, and if you remember that, you know back then what we were really wanting to, um, what we really wanted to focus on was vision because we believe that where there is vision, there'll be provision, right? We say that a lot, but we absolutely 100% agree with that. Uh, we think that's scriptural. And so if there's a lack of provision, the question is, well, where are we vision-wise? And, um, and the neat thing um, is because the, the elders have been, been there, done that. We've been through the trials of, of financial lack for many years in the past. And no one was panicking, we, just, we were just like, you know, Lord, what are you trying to, to say here? And, um, and one of the things that we felt like he was saying was, Hey, I'm doing this because I'm, I'm, I'm helping you to affect the transition. And so that was, and so that's the start of these, the benefits that you start seeing, um, when you have what I'm calling a catalytic drought, a drought that actually is catalytic, catalyzing a change tr- and helping you to get from one place to another. So the first thing is droughts. Help to get our attention they help us to seek the lord and ask questions we wouldn't normally ask i mean if you're kind of like comfortable i mean it's you're not hungry you're not desperate you're not saying god what's going on right but all of a sudden when there's a drought when there's a lack how many do that god what's going on right of course i mean that's that's just the way way we are and so it's kind of cool how God even used this drought to get Pharaoh's attention, the cupbearer's attention, to get Joseph's attention, and eventually, all the way bubbling back up to the promised land, to get Jacob's attention. Um, Droughts help us to make decisions we wouldn't otherwise make. They help us to get out of our comfort zone and our routine. So as an example, if you know the story of Joseph, um, his brothers go down, Joseph recognizes them he uh, keeps Simeon behind, you know, as a pledge to, you know, to test them and stuff. And, and he says, you better bring back your other brother you talked about. And if he doesn't, you know, Simeon is, is going to stay in the dungeon. And there is no way Jacob's going to part with Benjamin. I mean, no way he's going to do that because he's, you know, Joseph used to be his favorite. Now Benjamin's his favorite because they were born from his favorite wife. Um, you know, Rachel, I have a favorite wife. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, so he Jacob. The, the, so here, it's out of his comfort zone. But the drought forces him to part company with a with a very precious child that's dear to him. Um, and um, you know, we look at the, uh, the the drought that happened in Elijah's life, and uh, uh, when he predicted that there was going to be three years of drought, um, Elijah proactively. So this is not going one prophet against hundreds of prophets is not something you necessarily want to pick a fight on, a, a fight about, just any day of the week. And yet, because of the drought and because of the circumstances surrounding that drought, it gets Elijah out of his comfort zone, if, if, if you can believe that. And and he even proactively arranges a showdown with the prophets of Baal. Again, that's not something that you just naturally do every day and say, we're going to have a showdown. And it's either you or me, or your God, or my God, and let's show the people what's going to happen. It just doesn't happen every day. And so droughts help us uh, to uh, make those kinds of decisions, Um, because a lot of times, because we're desperate. Um, This is kind of like the other side of the same coin, but droughts enable change, because the pain of staying where you are is greater than the pain of that change that you must embrace. Um, And it's a change that we wouldn't have necessarily seen or embraced without the drought. Now, here's an interesting point. Jacob was in the promised land. He was promised. This is where you should be. This is where you, this is where your lineage will continue. This is where you will continue to have blessing. And yet because of a drought, he actually leaves the promised land of God to go into Egypt. He would not have done that if there wasn't a drought. Just, guaranteed because he was in the middle of the will of God for as far as he was concerned and yet God had other plans Um, another thing droughts may signal or catalyze a change in position for you a a position or a new level of authority a lot of times that drought comes right before God's about to do some promotion or some elevation um, in your life we see that with Joseph we see that when Elijah brought on Elisha when he brought um, you know from Ahab to Jehu Remove Jezebel's influence. I mean, and these people actually weren't at a level of influence, and all of a sudden they were elevated to a level of influence, and it was catalyzed by a drought. Um, Droughts help resolve issues that often go undealt with for years, like Joseph and his brothers. (laughs) I mean, there is some estrangement there, um, to say the least. As a matter of fact, his brothers, um, when when, uh, this crazy ruler in Egypt that they didn't know was their brother was doing uh, bad things to them. They're like, this is happening because of what we did to our brother. And they even say, didn't <laughs> get choked up when I hear about this. Didn't we hear his screams, you know, and now this is the torment that's coming to us because we did nothing about those screams. Cause, cause imagine this youngest brother, sold into slavery. We can just read that as a nice Bible study. Think about it. He is going, what is going on? His whole life is being turned upside down. He is screaming at the top of his lungs, Reuben, what are you doing? Simeon, what are you doing? Judah, I'm never going to say, and he's screaming, and just, and that slowly, the screams do not stop. Only by distance do they start going down. It's traumatic, absolutely traumatic. Anyway, so there's issues between him and his brothers. Who would blame him for, the, for him harshly treating them when, they, when all of a sudden they show up? And yet, the drought, God wanted to, cataly- he wanted to catalyze reconciliation between his brothers. And Joseph did an unbelievable thing through forgiveness. He was able to say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Unbelievable. Um, same thing with... Um, with, uh, with Jezebel and Ahab's wickedness. I mean, you know, they've, they've been ruling over Israel for so long. I mean, there's all kinds of bad things going on, and God says, I'm, I'm finally dealing with this. There is not the right relationship between this king and his wife and the people. There's corruption, um, there's evil, there's theft. He stole... Uh, uh, Naboth's vineyard, I mean, there's just really, really bad things going on, and so God, um, through this drought, is resolving these issues um, in the nation of Israel. Droughts strengthen relationships and knit people together in a way they wouldn't otherwise. We come together. Um, Joseph's family, right? They restore relationship both with his father. His father didn't even know he was alive. Could you just imagine just the reunion that that was? Just incredible. Um, Elijah and Elisha, there was a mentoring relationship that was catalyzed by this drought, such to the point that Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah. Um, And so they were knit together. Elijah's mantle fell on Elisha, double the mantle. Um, And I put the eldership at Covenant Life, um, I already mentioned this, but we've come together so much through trial and tribulation. And so we are able to say, you know what? God, what are you doing? We were able to rise above the panic or the anxiety of, well, what's going on with the lower income? And yes, we had, to take, we had to make some difficult decisions. We had to reduce salaries, and we had to cut some expenses and things like that. But we were also, beyond that, we were saying, God, what are you trying to, what are you trying to say? And uh, Pastor Craig shared this um, with the elders, and I thought it was brilliant. And, um, and he talks about how there should always be a gap between vision and and provision and the reason there should be that gap or the reason your vision should always be greater than your resources to accomplish it is because that's where faith resides that's where your faith is that's where faith is required um, and we know that God it's impossible to please God except through faith he's not pleased by our works he's pleased by when we have faith and trust that God will bridge this gap even if we are in our own strength cannot bridge it and uh, but what happens is when your provision Starts getting bigger or higher than your vision, all of a sudden comfortability. You start you start getting comfortable. Okay, it's okay. We're we're good, and you're not always seeking the Lord. And actually, you're at risk of institutionalization. This is what happens with a lot of foundations, nonprofit foundations. They've got all this money they're sitting on, and um, and so they become institutional and they kind of give out pieces. They make sure that there's more interest coming in than with. I mean, you know. God bless them. I'm not going to tell them how to spend their money. I'm thankful for those. But where's the vision you know that, that, that would actually enable that, those resources to be put to use for good in the world? And, um, and so this was, this was actually, in some ways, where we had been as a church for, for a few years. Not saying that we weren't in, in the will of God or that we weren't following his path. I believe we were. I believe uh, leadership was seeking the Lord. And yet there was a comfortability that was starting to creep in. And so what God does because he's good. <laughs> he says, hot wind starts blowing and all of a sudden a drought starts coming our way, right? And a drought can get us from that bottom where provision is, is, is higher than vision. All of a sudden he can blow the wind of drought upon us. And all of a sudden we're, there's a need for the provision starts going below the vision and then there's a, a, a need for faith again. And that's the grace of God and it's the blessing of God that enables that to happen. <clears throat> and so, continuing with the benefits of, of, of droughts, extraordinary miracles and blessing can come from a catalytic drought. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. Like none of us want droughts, but I'm telling you, once you see this, you're going to be like, God, send me a drought. I I need I need some I need something that will stir my spirit. I'm serious. Um, as a matter of fact, I prayed a dangerous prayer at the end of the financial meeting. and I said, God, don't stop this drought until it's had its full effect in us and then i read right my I prayer i went oh, oh, oh sorry <laughs> like I, but i was like no i'm not taking it back you know but I, I, it hit me i was like i can't believe i just prayed that prayer and um but uh but look at but look at all these wonderful things that happened in the story of elijah It catalyzed a season of repentance it led to victory over the enemy showdown with the prophets of baal it revealed god's supernatural provision to elijah that wouldn't have otherwise been revealed um, we want to get into all those stories, Um, and it transitioned the mantle of leadership to the next generation, which is a really, really big deal, um, and who excelled even far more than the the previous generation. Um, The drought in Joseph story, think about this. It preserved, not only did it preserve Jacob's family, family, It provided a womb as they went from the promised land down into Egypt, that Egypt, it's been called this in scripture, became a womb for the nation of Israel. And that's where the nation of Israel was incubated and then eventually birthed uh, through the Exodus. And, um, And it preserved, because of that drought, it preserved the seed line of the Messiah right? So that all nations, not just a single nation, so that all nations of the world would be blessed. So think about it. You and I right now are in the kingdom because of a drought. We're here because there was a drought, because the seed line of the Messiah was preserved. So thank you, Lord, for that drought. And what we did at the time of... uh, Uh, of the financial meeting was that this was another scripture we felt like the Lord put on our hearts, and that was to declare this, declaring that the drought is over. And, um, and I'll just read this. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So it's just the sound, and you kind of had to have spiritual ears to really hear what what was happening. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees, a birthing position. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing, and he said, go back seven times. It came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And that was us stretching out in faith and saying, Lord, we know that there's a drought, but we hear the sound. We, we know that there's some, some good stuff going on. And so we weren't even necessarily asking the Lord for, um, well, we were asking him for more finances, so don't get me wrong. We were asking more for vision. Vision is really what we needed um, as a leadership team. And uh, the interesting, wonderful thing is there's been a breakthrough in that, in that space over the last few months. <clears throat> More on that from Pastor Craig and Pastor Johnny in coming months. And so the, the drought is over, and I felt, like, I felt like this was what the Lord wanted to speak over us as a congregation. And, um, and not just the financial drought, because there's multiple kinds of droughts that happen in our life. Of course, there is a weather drought, right, where there's a lack of rain and there's scorching heat. There's no shade, no fruitfulness. But a lot of us are suffering from spiritual droughts categorized by you know, our faith. It's hard, it's hard to believe God, right? We almost have more doubt. To, um, but there's, there, our faith is in short supply. Um, we have a distant relationship with God. Um, there's a lack of prayer. We're not hungry for his word. So there are spiritual droughts. There's physical droughts in our health, um, where there's either chronic sickness or disease. There's low energy, where we require medications a lot of time, right, to both get to sleep and to function throughout the day. Um, There's emotional and mental droughts, right, where we are uh, plagued by fear or anger or guilt things that we can't shake right we are we are on the verge or we are in depression but there's there's shame upon us maybe because of things that we've done or things that we wish or the things that we haven't done um we have difficulty making decisions like even our brain's not working properly right we're forgetting things we have memory issues we have this is where addictions start coming in because we start um wanting to fill the void with other things other than the lord other than healthy things um, and, and some of us even shut down. There's a numbness that just says, I can't deal with reality. I'm just, psh, I'm, I withdraw and isolate myself. And that leads to a relational drought, right? Where we have broken relationships, where unforgiveness occurs, right? There's a lack of intimacy. There's dysfunction. Um, there's sometimes control comes into these kinds of relationships. And there's, again, a withdrawal or an isolation that, that happens. Um, By the way, these are all common things that happen to all of us. So I'm not in any way, I want you to get this, I'm not in any way pointing a finger, because if I went down this list, i check every single one of these. Um, A vocational drought, right? Or a um, professional drought, but I'm trying to broaden it beyond that. But you know, you may be unemployed, you may be frustrated with your job, there may be lack of opportunity, Um, there may be injustice on the job, right? You may have poor work relationships. And uh, you may just be stressed about work. You know, <laughs> every time you walk into the office or every time you, you know, you go to work, it's like ah, you know, high anxiety or whatever. And um, and that's that's the that's an indication of a vocational drought. That's not what God's best is. And then finally, uh, a drought around a strategic drought or a, a vision drought. Just not even knowing who you are. What is your identity? Um, what's my purpose in life? Why am I so restless? Um, having no hope for the future. Um, these are things that mark a drought when it, when it comes to um, like a, a, a drought of vision. And, uh, and so even as I'm saying those things, like <laughs> I'm going, like, check, 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 check. Um, I just trust that the Lord is speaking to you about just one of them, just one of them. Because I really believe that the Lord, he's declaring the end of, a, of droughts in our lives. And there's one that he really, the Holy Spirit, I really believe wants to put his finger on. In the in, you know, And by the way, there's probably more types of droughts, but these are the ones, and everyone who knows me, I work in um, groups of seven. And uh, so once I hit seven, I'm done. Uh, but these are the types of droughts that um, affect all of us. And, and so beyond just even a financial drought, right, which... It's not even up here, by the way, (laughs) and and it's not there for a reason. It's because I want you to think through that there are other things other than, but it could be financial, okay? But there are other things that the Lord wants to put his, his finger on in our lives. And so if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you or convicting you that there are some things where you've got drought in your life, how do we respond to that? And um, I love the fact that the Lord gave me this scripture. I just love this story. If there was one part of scripture that I could just—if that's all I had on a deserted island, or that's all I could ever share with anyone in my entire life, when I witness or when I share, well, God's—it would be the prodigal son. It is so profound. It is such a good story. And uh, and I think even what Pastor Johnny said last week—you know—because it's a made-up story, okay? Jesus. Put every detail in here for a reason, right? I mean, it wasn't like by happenstance. You know, everything was in here for a reason. So everything that he put in here was for us, for for some reason. So let me read this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, after, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen, to a citizen of that country who sent him to, the, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, and this is God's intention towards us this morning, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So they began to celebrate. And there's such a great cause for celebration. What I love about this story, it's something that I have never really ever seen before, is just how much God used the drought to get the son's attention you could say, well, that was a natural consequence of him you know, spending his inheritance on wild living. No, it wasn't. The natural consequence of him spending his inheritance on wild living was the fact that he didn't have any inheritance anymore, right? And he probably had skills, he'd probably go get a job somewhere, right? But the famine, the famine came, which is out of his control, the famine came as a gift from God to help him to come to his senses, to re- help him to realize how far from home he really was. And I absolutely love that. I love how God uses this famine to get to um, the prodigal son. Um, why? Why? Was it, to, was it to bring him lower? Yeah, probably. Right? <laughs> to come to the end of himself? Yeah, probably. But that wasn't the end. That, that's a path through which he was going to bring him back to himself and reestablish that relationship again. It's just an incredible gift that, uh, that God gave the prodigal son. And so using the prodigal son as a pattern, how should we respond? The first is we need to have a reality check. It's so easy to be in denial. We, 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 I wanted to say I, <laughs> but I'll say we, because I think it's a common experience. We live so far below the type of life that God has for us, the type of life that he wants for us. No, no condemnation there. I'm just saying so, so many times, and that just means that we get used to drought. We get used to leanness of soul, leanness of spirit, leanness of relationship, leanness of finances, right? And it takes a jolt sometimes to wake us up and to say, what in the world just happened? Where have I been? This happened to me in my business. Like, it took Ed Trout speaking into my life um, when he came this last time. He spoke something over me, and I literally felt like I just woke up. Like, where have I been for the past, like, I think at that point, 18 months. Like I literally felt like I've been asleep at the switch and all this stuff's been going on around me. I've done nothing about it. What is my, how could I not have done is, I had issues in my company. So, but it's, it was the leanness. It was the drought that helped even that word to sink in to say, wake up, <laughs> um, are you experiencing? And so the drought helps you to under to ask the question, you know, um, what am, where am I having a, a drought, right? And, and this is what I want to ask you, you know, are you, experiencing, are you experiencing a drought and in what area? And if you are, admit it. It's just good to have a reality check because think about that prodigal son. He probably could have gone for quite a long time not coming home if there hadn't been a drought. But the drought helped him realize, man, there's, you're missing out on so much. There's so much more for you. Even though you spent your whole inheritance, there's still so much back home for you. And he had no clue. About that, and so the second thing—so these are three R's, by the way—the three R's to responding to a season of drought. Um, And I'm making fun of myself because everyone has to have points and stuff. Um, But uh, so the second thing is to repent, and I I want to—I want us to really understand what the word repent means. The word repent just means to turn around. I mean, that is literally what it means. It just says, stop going in this direction, stop doing what you're doing, turn around and go in a different direction. I used to have this wonderful thing that I did up in Covenant Kids where I taught the kids how to repent. And we would, I would have, uh, when I had a, a helper, I'd whisper, I'd have them whisper like a convicting thing, like, hey, you shouldn't have treated your sister badly. And, and we taught them to turn away from you know, that sin and run to the Father, and then they would run into my arms and I would swing them around, you know, woo, and just like prodigal son type of like stuff. But because I didn't want them just to repent as a, oh, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to willfully make a decision that I'm not going to do it anymore. It's, it's not just a turning away, it's a turning toward. We've got to run into the Father's arms. And so, um, so we'd have to decide, do you want the drought to end? Now, some of us have a high pain tolerance, and we may not be ready for the drought to end. (laughs) I've been there. But at some point, you're going to come to your senses and say, I don't think I like feeding pigs anymore. As a matter of fact, I wish I could eat what I'm feeding them, but I'll get in trouble. I'll lose my job if I do that. I mean, it's it's like like the depths of his depravity, the depths of where he sank was so low. and how long did that go on before he decided, you know what, <laughs> I don't think I want to do this anymore. And so we have to, one, we have to decide, and then two, we have to act. We do have to start moving towards the Father. We've got to come back to the Father's house. And then third, uh, receive, receive, receive. You have no idea how much God wants to love on you. You have no idea what, um, what, how he wants to touch your life. And, and, Look what he did for the son. Before the son could even get there, he ran towards him and embraced him. Unconditional, just smothered him with unconditional love. Do you think that helped maybe end a piece of drought that he had emotionally going on? All the anxiety, all the fear, all the guilt, all the shame he had about what he did. Do you think that might have (laughs) helped? End that part of his drought? He gave him the best robe. Not just a robe, he gave him the best robe. Now these different things mean so much. And so I don't want to get too much into um, delineating all three because all three of them overlap. But the robe speaks of forgiveness. It speaks of the robe of righteousness, the, the imputed righteousness. In other words, he's got right standing now with his father that he did nothing to earn. It's a beautiful thing. So he just had to receive it. He had to just go, okay, let the robe sit on my shoulders. That's all he had to do. He could have rejected it, but he just just receive it. And the same thing is for, for us, too. Receive that forgiveness, receive the imputed righteousness. The ring speaks to... That was kind of like the credit card in, in those ancient days. And so they would put that ring into a, seal, a, a melted wax and seal it. And, uh, so it, and it was kind of like, yep, I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll send a servant down, but this is my... You could bring this to me and ask for collection, but I'll get a servant to come by and I'll just use my credit card. So, but it, but it actually spoke to only the people of the house, of the family could use that credit card. Um, and so it spoke to identity, it spoke to the authority that they had, and it spoke to the provision that the father was giving to his son, despite the fact that he had squandered his portion of the inheritance. And the sandals, Um, sandals were only worn by family members. They weren't worn by servants. So if you didn't have sandals, that meant you were a servant. And so what he was saying was, I'm restoring the relationship. I'm restoring your position as a son to me. And these are just all such beautiful, wonderful things. And then as if that wasn't enough, I'm going to go get the fatted calf, the special provision for the most special guest that we could have. We're saving it for a special occasion. And the, and the father could think of no more special of an occasion than the fact that his son came back. It's so beautiful. And so abundance. He was like saying, I'm going to abundantly give to you. I'm going to abund-. So think about all of these things. He, he, his son was saying, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, and I just want to be a servant. By these three things, this is just occurring to me just now, by these three things, all of those mindsets, all of those droughts that that he was experiencing relationally, identity wise, um, the father was addressing. He said, I'll give you a robe. You don't have to have shame anymore and guilt anymore. I'll give you a ring. Um, I'm going to reestablish provision in your life and give you your identity back. You thought you had lost it. Uh, you are still my son. Um, I, you're not a servant. You're not a slave. You said you wanted to be a servant. You are worthy to be called my son, and you're not going to be a servant. I'm going to put sandals on your feet. So God addressed all of those, all of those points that he said, I'm, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do. God said, got you covered, got you covered, got you covered. Now let's celebrate. And it's such a beautiful, um, a beautiful thing. And this is what I think the Lord wants us to do, is I believe that he not only wants to put his finger On something in our lives, each of our lives where there's been drought, but he also wants to just smother you (laughs) with grace and with love and with a revelation of who he is, of who you are, so that you can start the journey back, to you can start experiencing the abundance that he has for you. Just like Joseph, you think about how quick he went from prisoner, from the prison to the palace, just like that. This is, this is even faster. New Testament's even better than Old Testament. Think about how much time it took him to restore his son. Did this happen in 10 minutes? Did it happen in a half hour? Probably. Let's just imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Less than a half hour. That was less, than, that was less time than it took Joseph to get all cleaned up, to get up to... And as a matter of fact, and, and the father said, I don't, you don't even need to get cleaned up. I got you covered, right? I'm going to put the robe on you and get you the ring, get you the sandals. It is such a beautiful picture of what the Lord wants to do, and what He and that's the that's the point. What He can do something in us just like that to declare the drought over and to help it to end in your life. Isn't that good? So I'm going to ask the the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask the uh, the prayer team and the um, the elders to come up and. um, What I'd love to do is, what would? this may be what you need. I'm not going to force it or I'm not going to require it or anything because I just want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If you feel like the Holy Spirit's put his finger on something, I would love for you to come up and get some prayer. Just just receive from the Father, first of all, but then to also get some prayer. Um, And we're going to declare the drought is over in your life because this is the promise of what... um, the Father has for us. You know, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came, and the Father sent Jesus that we might have life and have it to the fold, have it abundantly. This is our portion, and uh, it's just an incredible, it's an incredible salvation. Um, And so also, if there's anyone that might have a word of encouragement to compliment what the Lord's speaking to us, um, by all means, um, please come forward, because we just... Like I said, there's lots of stuff that I'm sure went, went unsaid that need to be said. So uh, come forward if, if that's uh, something that you have.
1: The Lord has called this house to be a healing house. Healing begins in the house of the Lord. It begins here. The Lord wants to heal each and every one of us. But that healing comes out of rest, our rest in him. Run to his throne of grace in your hour of need. He is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He wants to wrap his arms of love around you. That healing will not come out of our striving, but it comes out of our rest, our time of rest in him. Let him love on you. Pour out. Pour out all of those things that you are struggling with. Pour out those things that hurt right now. Pour out those things that you are struggling with. He wants them. He wants to take them from you, and he wants to heal you.
0: Amen. Amen.
2: Um, Please receive this, as I'm saying it, hopefully, and not as manipulation, but some of us are in a position where we might be we're feeling comfortable but not challenged Um, where you were talking about where you have the provision above the vision and particularly for those people but i won't limit it to that i do believe that um, an act of faith in giving is going to set you free from that And so this is not a way to try to get money for the church, but it's providing an opportunity for you to sow in faith um, so that, that the provision of God is released, not just in the financial realm, which you might be already okay with, but the provision in all the other areas of your life. So if somebody could bring up a um, basket to kind of receive that, and we'll just set it off to the side, and you can do that on your own. But just to remind you that God's not mocked. What you sow is what you're going to reap, and you're sowing into the kingdom. So you're going to reap kingdom, and that, that God is a debtor to no one. And so I, I strongly, he he wants this to be a hilarious gift. So hilarious means full of joy, but also like, I can't really believe I'm doing this. Um, like I'm, because I'm stepping out in faith, because maybe you've been very comfortable and you haven't really been pushed to step out in faith. And so that's what this is, so this is a, giving in faith. And it might not be much money. I, I'm not saying that it has to be a whole lot of money, but it's a stepping out in faith.
0: Go ahead, Carmen. You know, Shirley, you're, I just want to thank you. Thank you, Kim, for sharing. Thank you, Shirley. Mm-hmm. Shirley wasn't in the back room when we were praying, preparing for the service, and we <laughs> there was this thing inside me that just said, I don't want this to be a works thing. I don't want this to be a, I have to do this to get that thing. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about a response of an invitation to the Lord. That's what the drought helps to catalyze us to wake up. But yeah, we have to decide and we have to act, but it's, it's so that we could enter into his rest, so that we can enter into the Father's embrace. So... Um, you guys get the, you get the difference, right, what the Lord's doing here? Yeah, there's, there's action required. Kim's giving an, us an opportunity to, in one way to help activate that. Um, but in no way are we saying do this to get that because God's just waiting to just pour um, out on us. He wants to restore. Look at all that he restored to that prodigal son. He used a drought to catalyze it, but it, the drought wasn't the purpose, but God used the drought to bring about an incredible restoration. In, uh, in his life.
3: I had a dream this week, and um, when I woke up, I felt like it was for the church, so I thought during the week, I was just supposed to pray about it, but now I feel like I'm supposed to share it. Um, in the dream, a bunch of people were in this hospital-like place, and um, but it wasn't It was like a bad hospital. It wasn't like a real hospital. And the enemy was injecting um, fear, anxiety, or whatever the drought is. The enemy was injecting. And I felt like I couldn't get out. And then towards the end of the dream, I was walking out. And the Lord was saying, just walk out of that. And um, also, while while um rick was sharing i know his heart it, it, he didn't want to do this by himself and um i think that's significant he asked you know for people to come and, and give words and he didn't want to do this by himself and i think god is saying nor do i want you to do this by yourself i'm Going to do this with you, and nor does he want to do this by himself. He wants us to come and do this with him, and he wants to do this with us.
0: Yeah, let's do prayer first. Are you going to be here, Beth, through prayer time? Okay. There may be an opportunity to to share. Oh, there's more.
3: I'm sorry. I left out, I think, an important part. Um, In the dream, I was saying, God, I am not free. Because I battle fear and anxiety. And that's part of... What you were sharing, what the three steps were, you know, wake up, um, admit, God, I'm not free, and I'm not walking in freedom. And your word says that I can be free in this. So today, I'm walking out of that building, I'm walking out of that hospital.
0: Amen. Amen. What do you think, Kim? Go ahead, Donna. Come on up. Okay.
4: I think one of the things that um, even pinpoints some of the things that you've said about Father this morning is that in the Hebrew tradition, it would never have been that the father would have run to this child. He would have waited and with a strong upper lip and made him come. But this father was waiting, and he was looking for the son to come. He was, He was anticipating that the son was going to turn around and come back home. And I believe that's the heart of the father today, our father that he's waiting, he's anticipating, he, with excitement he knows you're coming back, he knows you're coming home and he says, come on, and when he sees you, he's running to greet you and wrap his arms around you and just, as what did they say hug his neck or something (laughs) I don't know what that is, but yeah yeah, but he's he's waiting with joy for you to come and just Run to him, because he's running to you. I just wanted to say that.
0: Love it. So there will be time for testimony. How about we have a prayer time, and then if there's some testimonies afterward, that'll be perfect.